You're listening to the Companion Gun Dog Podcast. I'm your host, Grayson Geyer, and with me today is Emily Shirey. Um, and uh, and we're kind of back following up to some degree on a podcast we did back in November, I think. Or was it early December? I can't remember. It was around the Victor Recall. So for those of you that have been so listening. So November, probably. Yep, yeah, so we did, a, we did a podcast on the Victor Recall. We ended up dig, diving pretty deep into... Uh, into dog nutrition stuff. I, I uh, just, I'm trying to avoid using the word canine. Um, so we talked a lot about dog nutrition, working dog nutrition, things we need to be thinking about for our hunting dogs. And, uh, and we took a sidebar. Um, and in that sidebar, we went, uh, we went, started heading pretty deep uh, in the direction of a raw diet. And, uh, and there's been a lot of requests since that episode to, to me and Emily, uh, asking for a little more information because Emily is kind of the raw guru. But before we get into that, I'd never open with this and I want to make sure I do. If you are enjoying this podcast then do me a big favor and, uh, get on your computer and run over to ugly dog hunting, um, that is, uh, that's the retail outlet owned by Mike Nadusky, and he is the sponsor of this podcast. He keeps this thing going. Um, it, it truly is, uh, you know, I'm not sure I would continue to do this uh, if I was continuing to kind of dump my own money into it forever. So um, this this podcast truly is brought to you by Ugly Dog Hunting, and Mike is a great guy. If you're looking for something, uh, any type of gear, uh, for your dog, that's where you need to be going. So thanks for listening to that. Now let's jump into this podcast. So Emily, thanks for being with me. Um, uh, I I know we kind of discussed maybe doing a raw curious podcast, and I guess that's what we're going to do today. So I'll just get out of your way. Awesome. Yes. So uh, one thing to know is we did do the kibble podcast first, and I am going to reference that. So I think it's really important that you listen to that first, even if you are interested in raw. There's a lot of good information in that, um, and I do not want to be repetitive in this. So please take a listen to that first in that we talked about how kibble is not the ideal diet, and I'm going to kind of uh, spiral off of that a little bit. Um, we have a lot to cover in this, and I'm going to do my best to make it timely, but know that this is not an all-inclusive podcast on how to feed your dog raw, so it's really important that you do your own research as well, and um, I'd be happy to point people in the right direction to resources if they need them. I'm going to try and do as much of an overview as I can, but there's just a lot to feeding raw that's going to have to be beyond what I can include in this podcast. Um. I'm not going... So pack a lunch. Yes. <laughs> yeah, get comfortable. Um, I'm not going to discuss cooked diets, so that's an option as well if you're looking into alternatives to kibble. I have no experience with that, and I um, would never spend the time cooking food for my dogs. I spend so much time prepping raw for them anyways, so that's not something I'm interested in, but it is an option if someone else is, but it seems to me like another extra step. My primary source for raw feeding is a company called Perfectly Rawsome. There are so many good resources on this website. Do yourself a favor, check it out. Look through the articles, look through all the information. I'm going to be pulling a lot from this website. Um, Ronnie is a super knowledgeable person and uh, just a little bit of a thanks to her for having all these resources for us. She's been extremely helpful for me and my raw feeding journey. 
Um, I've also worked with Isabella with Canine Karma Training. She is super knowledgeable, super kind, very helpful. I worked with her after Ember got diagnosed with Lyme and kind of um, editing her diet a little bit. And I that was 100% worth the money. And so Isabella would be another great person to reach out to. So getting into feeding raw, I'm not going to go into why we do because I covered that in the Kibble podcast. So we're going to jump straight into how. Um, there are a couple things to keep in mind. All kibble is going to be fed on a NRC balanced diet, meaning the National Research Council sets the standard of what dogs need as far as how many grams of protein per body weight and so on. So all kibble should be, all reputable kibble should be balanced that way. So when we feed raw, in my opinion, that is the only way to feed raw. There are other options out there that some people feel okay with. I would never feed my dog a raw diet that was not NRC balanced because there's no way to ensure that they are getting the um, macronutrients and micronutrients that they need. That being said, a lot of people do it other ways and I'm sure the dogs are fine, but in my opinion, that is the best way to go. You can get an NRC balanced recipe from someone like uh, Perfectly Rawsome, and that is what I do. So I pay Ronnie to formulate a diet for me given my budget and my resources, and she prints off this or emails me this recipe that says I need, you know, 11 ounces of turkey necks, 10 ounces of pork, those kinds of things. So my raw diets are very um, straightforward, and I just follow a recipe. Keep in mind that it's over the lifetime of a dog, and especially for puppies, you've got to hit all those macronutrients and micronutrients. So macronutrients being protein, lipids, carbs, micronutrients being amino acids, fatty acids, vitamins, and minerals. So more is not better. Everything has to be balanced. And that's why this NRC balance recipe is really important to make sure things like copper and zinc or calcium and phosphorus are in appropriate ratios. So the moral of the story is you cannot feed chicken thighs, carrots, and green beans like I see a lot of people do and call that a balanced raw diet or chicken and rice with mixed vegetables. That is not a balanced raw diet. You will severely be lacking macronutrients and micronutrients. And over time, that can be absolutely devastating to the health of your dog. If you do not want to do an NRC balanced recipe, there are two common ways of feeding raw. One is called the prey model raw diet, PMR, and the other is the biologically appropriate raw food diet, which is the BARF diet. Prey model raw is 80% muscle meat, 10% bone, 5% liver, and 5% secreting organ. BARF is 70% muscle meat, 10% bone, 7% vegetables, 5% liver, 5% secreting organ, and 2% seeds or nuts, and 1% fruit. So these are kind of like outlines on how to feed raw that allow you to uh, be really flexible, but give you an outline to uh, be as close as possible to what would be considered a natural diet um, that goes beyond just, you know, feeding some random things, but it's not as accurate as feeding a NRC balanced diet. So can I jump in real quick? Yeah. What's a Caesar nug? Did I say Caesar nug? I don't know. Maybe seeds or nuts. Oh, seeds or nuts. <laughs> I was like Caesar nug. Trying to think of what I would have said. Okay. Seeds are two percent seeds or nuts as part of the barf diet. All right, not Caesar nugs for those <laughs> listening. Go ahead. Okay, so in those types of anytime you feed raw, we're going to feed these 
specific category. So I'm just going to break down what those are. Muscle meats um, provide protein, amino acids, and water-soluble vitamins. So muscle meats are going to be pork, beef, fat for energy, uh, tripe, which is stomachs of ruminants. So typically it's going to be cow stomachs, but it could also be like goat stomachs. Um, That's really good for manganese. Um, Heart is really important for B vitamins and minerals. Lung is good for selenium and iron. Cartilage like trachea is good for joints. Fish is good for omega-3s. So those are all muscle meats and those are going to be a big part of a raw diet. So in PMR, that's 80% muscle meat. Barf, 70% muscle meat. Bone is important for calcium, phosphorus, and other micronutrients. Um, It's really extremely important that you feed appropriate bones. So Uh, Chicken wings, chicken or turkey necks, chicken turkey feet, chicken turkey frames, some ribs of like pork, lamb or goat, some tails like pork tails or turkey tails, and then like duck heads, turkey, uh, duck heads or chicken heads. What we don't want to feed is any machine cut bones like pork chops or pork necks. We don't want to feed any bone that's going to be too dense like turkey legs or even turkey drumettes from the wings. Um, Absolutely no weight bearing bones for large animals like beef. So no soup bones that can definitely break teeth. So it's going to be mostly poultry bones. And it's okay to feed, I know everyone here is never to feed your dog bones. It's okay to feed bones if they're raw and if they're the appropriate size. So absolutely no feeding any type of cooked bone. And as long as the bone is the appropriate size for the dog, it's fine. So uh, large dogs, I wouldn't feed chicken next to. That's a choking hazard. Uh, But, you know, most of the bones that I feed are going to be chicken wings or turkey necks or chicken feet or duck heads. Those are safe for the majority of dogs, obviously not super small dogs, but, um, you know, when we're talking our average bird dog or 30 to 60 pound, 70 pound dog, those are going to be good bones for, um, any of those dogs. And they're also great for cleaning teeth as well. So bone is going to be 10% in either of the prey model or barf diet. Liver is super important as part of any raw diet, because compared to regular cuts of meats, um, liver is really densely packed with nutrients. So that's where a lot of those micronutrients are going to come from. Um, It's also full of fat-soluble vitamins, vitamin A. Um, One thing I noted on here is that nutrients are affected by heat, which is why we feed raw, because uh, that's ideal in order to have the most nutrient-dense selections of meat, which is why when we feed liver, it needs to be raw and not dehydrated. So there's some benefits to feeding dehydrated liver, but in order to really get all the benefits, it needs to be raw. And liver is a big important part of a raw diet should be fed every day. And the pre-model raw diet and the barf diet, it's about 5% of their overall diet needs to be liver. Along with liver uh, secreting organs, which are going to be Kidney, spleen, pancreas, brain, testicles, ovaries, those are really important for the same reasons as liver. I like to feed a variety of these to cover different kinds of um, nutrients. Again, they're going to be super dense with nutrients compared to other cuts of meat. Kidneys high in B vitamins and vitamin D. Spleen is high in iron. Pancreas is high in digestive enzymes. Brain uh, is high in DHA and fatty acids. 
Testicles are high in B vitamins. These are going to be really important for hitting all those micronutrient requirements. Some people don't feed vegetables, but I do think it's important for micronutrients as well, and it's a good uh, good portion of fiber. So if we're only feeding meat and bone, we're not going to have a very fiber-dense diet. So adding vegetables is not only good for micronutrients, but it um, is super beneficial for fiber. There are so many vegetables you can feed. You just you can Google it and see, but I've listed some on the notes. Kale, spinach, asparagus, beets, eggplant, bell peppers, cauliflower, sweet potatoes, squash, mushrooms, turnips, carrots, tomatoes. There are so many dog-safe vegetables. Uh, these are important because they've, they're low glycemic. What we don't want to do is feed legumes or feed super, super starchy vegetables. So I like to feed like squash and beets over things like pumpkin Way more nutrient-dense, lower glycemic index, which we've talked a lot about in the last podcast. But know how you prepare them is really important. So they really need to be pureed, fermented, steamed, boiled, or um, yeah, or it, you can do multiple of those. So you could steam them and then puree them for highest digestibility. But because dogs lack some enzymatic digestion when it comes to starches, in order for them to really digest vegetables, they have to be fed in a certain way. So you can't just take raw broccoli, chop it up, throw it in the bowl, and think you're really doing them a favor. They're probably not absorbing any of that. But if you steam it or puree it, then they'll definitely be absorbing more of that. What I do is buy frozen vegetables that are already cooked, and then you throw them in the microwave and just feed them straight out of the bag. That's the easiest thing I've found to do. What I also do is save all of my vegetable excess from what I cook for myself. So like, you know, if I've got some asparagus going bad because I didn't eat it or, um, you know, the leafy parts of carrots and beets that I'm not going to eat, I'll throw all that in my freezer. And at some point I'll thaw it, throw puree it and feed all of that. That way I'm not actually buying extra vegetables, but the dogs are still having, um, still getting those vegetables. Keep in mind, it should not be a ton of their diet. So it seems like a lot of people love to add vegetables and fruits to their dog's diet, but it really needs to be 10% of the diet, no more than that vegetables and 1% fruit. So while those vegetables and fruit are good and offer benefits, we really need to be feeding the majority of meats. Uh, Fruits offer antioxidants, glucose for energy and fiber. Again, there's a whole bunch of fruits that are dog safe. What I do again is when I have fruits that are going bad, throw them in my freezer, then puree them when um, I'm ready to feed. One of the real benefits in feeding these raw foods instead of kibble or supplementation is the bioavailability, which we talked about in the last podcast. Whenever you can feed whole foods for nutrients, you should because it'll absolutely be more bioavailable than synthetics, but that's an option as well. So as part of my raw diet, um, I rotate recipes and on one day I feed oysters for zinc, but oysters are somewhat expensive, so I don't feed oysters every day. So on the off days that I don't feed oysters, I supplement a zinc pill. Um, so that's just makes it a little bit more affordable for me, but I try to feed whole foods whenever I can, but oysters are definitely more expensive than, um, other raw sources. 
Raw diets are often, especially when we're feeding ratio diets, so those prey model raw or barf diets, they're often deficient in certain nutrients, which is where raw can get a bad reputation. So that's why I really am a big believer in feeding a um, NRC balanced diet. That way you have specific numbers and you know that you're at least in the ballpark of hitting all your nutrients. So one thing that's almost always low in a raw diet is iodine. Um, unless you're feeding whole prey, the majority of raw diets are going to be deficient in iodine. Um, so seaweed and kelp are a good source of iodine. So almost all raw diets should have uh, either kelp or seaweed in them. The majority of people just feed kelp. Um, vitamin D is also commonly deficient in raw diets. Salmon and eggs provide vitamin D, but the majority of people that feed an NRC balanced diet supplement vitamin D, which all these supplements are uh, just human supplements. So my vitamin D and kelp all come from, and vitamin E all come from now as a brand that you can just get off Amazon. So it's very easy to supplement raw diets with synthetics when you can't have, when you don't have whole food options. So um, again, zinc is easy to replace oysters with if you are looking to make raw more cost efficient. Fish oil is really beneficial. Feeding whole fish is super great. Looking for fish that are high in omega-3s but low in mercury are important. So the majority of people feed sardines, smelt, mackerel. Those are all fish that are going to be high in omega-3s. You can get these at um, whole fish at most ethnic markets sell whole sardines. Or you can buy them canned as long as they're canned in water. Um, multivitamins are kind of controversial. The majority of people who feed NRC balanced diets do not feed multivitamins because, again, more is not better. So you have to have balance. So just throwing more nutrients onto a recipe without knowing what it's deficient in is not the answer. So when you have an NRC balanced diet, you know exactly what nutrients you're going to need to supplement if you're going to use synthetics. But when you are doing ratio diets, you're not going to exactly know that. But that doesn't mean that throwing a multivitamin in is going to cover your basis. It may be better in some instances than others, but it could also throw your balance way out of whack. So I'm not a big fan of multivitamins. So those are going to be the main ingredients that you're going to see in raw. Um, where to source them? would be grocery stores. I buy a lot at grocery stores. So I'm going to buy pork loin, pork butt, beef, chicken wings, sometimes turkey necks, sometimes uh, liver and other things, especially if you're going to ethnic markets, you can find a ton of like spleen or liver or feet, uh, all sorts of different things at grocery stores and ethnic markets. Beyond that, I do some shopping at butchers. So I get beef fat at the uh, local meat market. Farmers and hunters are uh, hugely helpful because of course a lot of times that stuff is more cost efficient. So um, I've been doing a lot of waterfowl hunting and have been saving all of the heads and feet off all the ducks that we kill along with uh, when I feel like it, breasting them out if we're not going to eat them, feeding those to the dogs as well as the hearts. Um, I used to live next to a family that harvested their own pigs and they would save me lots anything from heart lung kidney liver scrap meat my neighbor here 
brought me over a ton of scrap meat from um, deer, which really stocked my freezer. That was super easy to have a bunch of venison and fat that I will absolutely feed. And then for all the weird things, like especially like tripe, you're going to probably have to find a raw feeding co-op or source from a raw website. So like raw feeding Miami or my pet carnivore, those are going to be raw specific websites and co-ops where you can get um, those extra things that might not be easily accessible at grocery stores. So at grocery stores, if you see tripe, it's going to be bleached, which means it's un. It's not beneficial for dogs. You don't feed bleached tripe. So in order to get tripe for dogs, you're going to have to probably get it from a uh, co-op or a raw website. Well, okay. I'm just going <laughs> to ask a couple of quick questions. That was a, that was a run. Um, I, you may address this later, and if you mm-hmm. will, we can wait. But I, I'd like to ask some questions about budget on this. Yes. Mm-hmm. Did you have that in there later? Um. The just a couple notes, not a ton. So now okay. would be fine. So, I mean, I'm, I'm just curious and mm-hmm. feel free to not answer this. This could be a bit personal. Mm-hmm. Like what's, what's a budget per dog in your house? So I get that a lot. And my main answer is going to be, I don't calculate it. Cause I really don't want to know. <laughs> That's fair. Um, in general, I try not, and this has changed a lot over the years because of my meat prices have obviously gone up a ton recently. In general, I try not to pay more than $4 a pound per meat okay. for anything. Sure. And so there are going to be some things that are cheaper. Like today I went to Aldi and got chicken wings for $2 a pound. And then there are going to be things that are more expensive. So like when I'm buying from those raw co-ops and I have to pay to have something shipped, my price per pound is going to go up significantly. But in general, Ember eats about a pound a day and Blitz eats about two pounds a day. So... About two bucks a day in meat for two to four. Probably more like four. For probably more like four dollars a day minimum for Ember and eight dollars a day minimum for Blitz. Of course. Yeah. And and you know, I do buy supplements and stuff on top of that. So like all you know, the zinc, the vitamin E, vitamin D. Um, so it would be really impossible for me to give an exact number. But if you're working with someone like Ronnie from perfectly raw some she will help you create a budget but in general it's very hard for me to say how much I spend sure but also I'm not (laughs) I don't have kids I live alone I (laughs) don't feel pressured to be budgety for raw so yeah I'm deaf I'm not buying freaking organic meat you know, grass-fed beef for my dogs. There are people out there who do that, and good for them. But my dogs will not be eating grass-fed beef, gotcha. right? Well, if you, and especially if you're getting deer and things like yes. that, you're getting as clean a meat as you can probably yep. get. And then the other thing I really do to the one thing I actually do to budget or to you know be money conscious when it comes to raw is I buy in bulk a lot. Yeah. I buy a ton of stuff in thirty-pound increments, which is what a lot of the bulk places sell it in. Um, and that absolutely saves me money. So buying 30 pounds of turkey necks, which I feed a ton of, is much less expensive than buying a handful of turkey necks at a time. Are you going to like Schuler's for that? Um, I have. They, those are the, they sell the Tom turkey necks though. So I actually don't buy them there much, but that's from the raw co-op is where I get those. But then, um, 
you know, I do things like I shop a lot at Aldi or like back when there was a compare foods and save a lot around here. I shopped there a ton. Um, and of course, you know, you got to be conscious about quality and stuff. So there are options to get, um, I can't remember what it's called. It's where they, it's only for pets. So they put charcoal in it. Um, some of the co-ops offer food that was for human consumption, but is no longer for human consumption. And it's, you know, cheaper or whatever. It's definitely going to be more cheap than going to a grocery store. But anytime you can buy in bulk, that'll absolutely save you money. And then, you know, another thing is I try to be savvy on how I get some meat. Like you can feed freezer burnt meat. Freezer burnt meat only affects the texture. It really doesn't affect the nutrient value. So like if in the spring, especially, or right before um, hunting season, when everyone's cleaning out their freezers, that's a great time to stock up on venison and hamburger and stuff that people are going to be tossing. Yeah. So there are definitely ways to be savvy about it. Um, You know, if you're going to feed specific things, like if your dog has allergies and you're going to feed only rabbit, you're going to spend way more money than I ever will. Um, But I try to, I try to do my best without being too worried about it. And that's thankfully the flexibility I have with my lifestyle. I I definitely hear like an opportunity for those sustainability nerds out there that, you know, are into, you know, livestock or Mm -hmm. really into hunting and gardening and stuff. Mm -hmm. I think you could accomplish quite a bit of this, um, you know, living that way if you're into it. Absolutely. And there are places in the U S that are going to be easier than others in North Carolina. The laws are kind of weird about what people can sell, but, um, in Ohio, they're much, much less strict. So when you have someone that's processing pigs and deer and venison, um, a lot of those processors will just save everything for you. And I used to get it, you know, like, um, liver and heart and lung and all this stuff and big trash bags for like a dollar a pound. And that was incredible. But in North Carolina, they're, they legally can't do that. So depending on where you live, that might be a little bit different, but definitely, you know, the more work you put into sourcing things, the (laughs) less you're going to spend. If you want convenience by just buying everything at the grocery store, you're definitely going to spend a little bit more, but it will be way more convenient. Um, I've, Definitely done some sketchy things, you know, going over to people's house. (laughs) (laughs) Slinging that raw. (laughs) (laughs) You know, going over to people's house at night when it's dark and they've got just flashlights shining on a deer carcass. And I'm thinking, "Mm, I I don't know if I should be here alone or not in the middle of the woods, in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) Or, you know, my neighbors used to leave me literally like storage box containers of pig guts on their porch and it, it gets weird but if you're willing to be weird you're you'll definitely save money okay. All right. um, <laughs> <laughs> so moving on so that's you know if you're going to feed all raw but just know that there are plenty of options to add raw to a kibble diet and you will certainly see the difference and make significant improvements in your dog's diet. Have you broken that down like ratio wise anywhere in the, in your notes? Like if you're going to add to, yes, that's a great question. Um, so how much you add and of what is important. So again, adding green beans and carrots to kibble diet is you're wasting your time, 
But if you're going to add quality meats that are going to be high nutrient value, like something like tripe or beef or something like that, you're really going to get the benefits of it. The rule of thumb is you can feed up to 20% of a dog's daily intake in raw and not have to balance it. So we talked about all this balance. If you feed less than 20%, you can just do whatever you feel like doing. If you feed more than that, you've got to feed something that's balanced. So if you're going to feed 50% raw, 50% kibble, that 50% raw needs to be NRC balanced, in my opinion, or at least prey model raw or barf balanced. I've known people to like just slap an egg. And that's totally fine. So that's absolutely going to be less than 20%. Yep. But the thing about eggs is, especially if you're feeding the shell and you can feed the shell if it comes from a farm, you can't feed the shell if it comes from a grocery store because they've been cleaned. But if you feed the shell and the egg and you can feed it raw, it is 100% balanced. So that won't even count towards your 20% because it's already balanced because it's 100% of bioavailability. So the same thing counts for if you're feeding whole fish. So if you're feeding whole sardines that you got at the ethnic market, you don't have, that doesn't have to count to 20% because they're 100% balanced already. So that only counts for like, if you, um, you know, are making burgers and you take off a chunk of your ground beef, I would recommend like a couple ounces. Um, Then at some point, if you're feeding a bunch of that, you need to balance it. Um, But just keep in mind, if you're going to start adding raw, depending on your dog's weight, you need to reduce kibble. So there's kind of a rule of thumb. If you're going to reduce kibble by one cup, you can add two cups of fresh food and you can add more fresh food because the moisture content makes it denser. So it's not going to be in a dehydrated state like kibble. Um, don't add too many vegetables and fruits. That seems to be everyone's go-to, but really you're going to get your best, um, value by adding red meat. So some chicken is okay. And again, if you want to feed bone, it's great for their teeth. You can feed just chicken wings or chicken feet. I wouldn't feed chicken drums to all dogs. Some people, some dogs don't digest those very well. Um, turkey necks are great for teeth, but if you opt for something, you know, fish, eggs, chicken wings, turkey necks, beef. So even like ground beef, you know, whatever's cheap, pork, if you're going to have any kind of scraps for, from, um, wild game, all of those would be my first go-tos. And then after that, once I've already fed some of those, then I might add in a couple vegetables or, um, fruit, but again, not just vegetables and fruit. If you're really wanting to give your dog the most bioavailable nutrient dense foods, um, Like I said, eggs, whole fish, and raw milk are going to be up there, but closely behind that is going to be organs. So finding liver or kidney or spleen, and here's the thing, you only feed a little bit of that stuff. So when it's really nutrient dense, you feed less of it or else you'll have diarrhea or your dog will have diarrhea. So if you have heart or liver or spleen for your average dog, maybe feed like an ounce of it. And then you could feed a couple ounces of ground beef with that. And as long as you're staying under 20%, you can change it up um, and add a whole bunch of variety. And that's really going to be your best vet bet in covering a wide variety of nutrients is by adding variety. So I wouldn't just add two ounces of ground beef to my dog's food every day for forever that's better than nothing, but at the same point in time, you're going to get a lot more out of it if you change it up. 
So something I do with my puppies is I like to feed puppies kibble because it's easy to train them with kibble, but I do add in some raw. And again, with puppies, they need balance. So it's got, you've got to be very careful to not throw off their balance because they're growing rapidly. But once they get, you know, a little bit older and I'm less worried about balance. So like right now, toast is one and the majority of her growing is done. So what I'll do is I'll make little uh, snack bags of random raw things. So I've calculated she gets maybe about like three ounces of raw a day with her kibble. And in those little snack bags, I'll just put a bunch of random stuff. So I'll thaw everything and I do like a baby little meal prep for her. So in one bag, she might have an ounce of beef, an ounce of liver, and a couple oysters. In another bag, she might have a little bit of salmon, a little bit of tripe, and a little bit of a chicken foot or something like that. And I divide all those up, then I throw them in the freezer, and then every day I just get one of those out, thaw it, and feed that on top of her kibble. Very easy, takes very little time, takes up very little freezer space to do something like that. And I find, at least for myself, when I prep like that and I have my little snack bags of variety of raw, it's really um, easy for me to stick to it versus if I try to thaw things or figure things out on the fly, I'm not very good at it. Uh, fish is really good, but um, there are really easy ways to feed it. You can get canned salmon. Again, we're not going to feed a ton of it, but a cup, an ounce or two of canned salmon a day is a good um, addition. Mussels, so like green-lipped mussels, offer a ton of nutrients. You can find those frozen at ethnic markets. Oysters, I buy them boiled off Amazon um, and adding a couple of those every day. Those are all easy things that are going to be super nutrient dense. So add um, a few liquids that are um, can be beneficial as well. So bone broth, if you make it yourself, is super great. I use all um, red meat bones and feet and things like that and just make it specifically for my dogs. Coconut water is awesome for hydration. I feed raw milk every day for probiotics. Uh, kefir is really great for pro probiotics as well. And anytime you feed fermented vegetables, you're going to get the most nutri nutrition out of vegetables as well. So those are all options that you could feed a little bit of on a regular basis. Again, keep an eye on weight. And if you're feeding all these extra things and your dog's gaining weight, make sure you cut back on kibble. One thing to note is you can also feed pre-made raw. And so going back to the budget thing, this is... In my, by far the most not budget-friendly way to feed raw, but pre-made comes in a variety of ways. A lot of times it comes like frozen hamburger patties, or it will come in like five-pound tubes, and all you do is thaw it, portion it according to your dog's weight, and feed it. So there are some really reputable pre-made brands out there. Um, you can expect to pay, I would say, anywhere in the range of like six to $8 a pound which is way out of my budget. But if that's something that would work for you, especially if you've got like one dog or a small dog, um, I'd be happy to recommend some brands. Viva Raw is in Durham, North Carolina. does a great, great job. They have a uh, raw specific pre-made for puppies. And I would highly recommend that. If you are looking to feed a puppy raw, that would be my go-to. Puppies need a um, daily balance. So balance could not be any more important for puppies because of the way they're growing. So if we're lacking nutrients for puppies while they're growing, that could 
um, have some serious implications to their long-term health. So feeding raw to puppies needs to be taken very seriously and not should not be something you, that you just wing or experiment with. Definitely work with a professional or feed a commercial raw made for puppies like that from Viva Raw. Transitioning adult dogs is a lot easier and you have a lot more flexibility. You can do some balancing over time. Um, so most people transition a little at a time, starting with proteins that are easier to digest, like chicken. So I did at one point feed Pinky Raw, and I transitioned that way, and it really wasn't bad. I worked with Ronnie at Perfectly Raw Sum in order to, part of my meal plan was a transition guide. And so it told me on day one, you feed this much kibble and you feed a chicken wing. On day two, you feed this much kibble and you feed a chicken wing and this or whatever. Um, and it was pretty easy, but just keep in mind the more nutrient dense things you feed, the more likely you will be to ex have your dog have diarrhea. So things like liver, organ, and heart feeding too much of that too soon could definitely lead to diarrhea. So be prepared for that. A couple notes to sum up things. Um, raw feeding and vets don't always get along. And I, I get it. I, I definitely do. I have a lot of respect for vets, but I'm sure they see the worst of the worst and people feeding chicken thighs and rice and calling it feeding raw and their dog is, you know, severely nutrient deprived. Having a vet that is on board with feeding raw is game changing. And I really recommend if that's if, if you're really serious about feeding raw, finding a vet that's on board with it. If you don't, um, you know, be prepared to get some flack for it at the vet and be prepared to know how you're going to handle that and respond and whether or not that's going to upset you because the majority of vets are not raw friendly. But there are some really great ones out there that are. And in my opinion, it's absolutely worth the extra drive for me to go to one that is. So there are some extra rules about raw feeding. And again, this podcast isn't totally inclusive, so it's always good to do your research, but you should never feed predators, so no bear, alligator, or wild boar, uh, no scavengers, no raccoon. Those are things that under no circumstances should you be feeding. Uh, pork in the U.S. and Canada is safe, but if you are in another country, you need to do some research on that. Um, but the, you know, a lot of people say that feeding raw pork, and I've spoken with vets about this, fe feeding raw pork is not safe, but that's really not true anymore. The pork we have here in the U S at least, especially from grocery stores is super safe to feed. Any wild game needs to be fed, uh, frozen for three weeks before feeding. So whether it's fish or venison or duck, it has to be frozen for three weeks before feeding. This does not apply to grocery store food, but keep that in mind. Um, you know, if your neighbor drops off a bunch of venison, make sure you write the date on it and don't feed it before it's been frozen for three weeks. Feeding whole prey is an option, which is mostly going to be like quail or rabbit and that's biologically ideal because that is how um, wild dogs would eat but I will say especially if you've had a dog that's been eating kibble you're going to struggle to get them to eat whole prey um, I do buy some whole prey chicks so you know baby chickens that are tiny and my dogs love them but getting none of my dogs you could not talk them into eating a whole quail that was totally me, off the table me, for I them gotta, you know where i gotta go yeah go for it i mean i can only imagine so i've got i i, I can imagine my audience listening mm -hmm. to this so i know that there's a contingent of my audience yep that is more like you 
and then there's a contingent of my audience <laughs> that is probably more like me. Uh-huh. And I and here's the thing is I got no problem with it because whenever anybody calls me and is like, oh, my dog's eating quail, I'm like, no big deal. Send them in May. We'll yep. sort it out. Yep. Um, uh, is that a struggle for you? Can you imagine like, okay, it's it's appropriate in this context. Yep. Where I'm going to go outside, pull a maybe a Courtney's out of a mm-hmm. box, knock its head on the wall, and toss it to my dog. And yep. hey, now it's I want you to ingest this uh-huh. one, and then we go out hunting, and I, and I want you to bring me that one because that's going on my dinner plate. What, what, how do we reconcile this? So everyone always says, "Don't feed your dog duck heads," all this stuff. So I can only speak from my experience. Yeah, I have never once had a problem with it. So I will say this: all of my dogs are force fetched. If any of my dogs were to have a problem with eating birds, I know how to fix it. Sure. So my dogs have not had problems eating birds. Toast has, is very chompy on quail. Sure. And I do regularly have to work on that with her. She does not get any raw quail or duck heads or stuff just because she doesn't eat 100% raw. Sure. But Blitz and Ember eat a significant number of birds uh, ducks mostly and not once have they ever been confused about context so when you think about it you know but that that I think a lot has to do with training so when we're training we're always developing the natural retrieve and that's what they both do when (laughs) there's an opportunity to retrieve a bird they retrieve the bird sure um so it's not like you know it's not like they're in the habit of a bird goes down and then nothing happens. Like I don't call them back to me. They're just sitting there and having an opportunity to eat on it. Um, if I was having a dog that was having problems eating birds, of course I would not feed them birds because I'm trying, you need to fix that problem first. But do I think that chopping off duck heads and presenting them in my bowl at dinner time is going to make my dog eat a duck head in the blind? Not a chance. I just don't, I don't buy it. Yeah. I mean, I, I I hunt on a regular basis with one dog that loves. He just likes to chomp a duck. So he prefers to serve the duck to you, <laughs> dispatched mm-hmm. by crunching its little skull. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, you know. But I again, I would file this in the category of like the never ever do's mm-hmm. thing that I have always run contrary to right. anyway. Exactly. So it's like you know, for me, you know, it's not hard. To, to reconcile this at all in my own brain because uh, everything's context dependent. 100%. You know? and so when yep. you're in the duck blind, that's not feeding time or when you're out, you know, chasing quail. But yeah, I think the same thing. I mean, I can imagine myself serving a whole quail to a dog and, and not allowing thinking them about it. Yeah, to ingest it and then yep. going out and shooting one for them. But I can see some people's heads maybe exploding over that. Definitely. Thing. And you know, if you don't have a dog that's force fetched and are struggling with it, you will not be setting yourself up for success by feeding them a quail. (laughs) So yeah, if that's your issue, if that's your specific issue, then you heard it here first. Yes. Not Uh not what we recommend, but yeah, I don't have a problem. Yeah. If you have, you know, a a dog with a formal retrieve or at least a Nash, a very natural retrieve and you chop a duck head off and give it to them in their bowl, I'd be shocked if you had problems moving forward. Sure. Um, Moving on, there are raw diets that are considered therapeutic. So, you know, I see a lot of people who feed prescription diets for certain issues, like maybe kidney disease or diabetes. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you can find NRC balance professional raw diets that will address those things as well. Don't just make up your own, but work with a professional in that regard. But that is an option. Um, you know, especially if your dog has cancer, getting them off the carbohydrates with kibble, I can't imagine something better you could do. So keep in mind that is an option. Um, Dogs on raw drink significantly less water and poop less because of the moisture content. So that's something to keep in mind. Anytime someone boards my dogs and that eat raw, they're always like, they never drink water. What's wrong with them? And that's just normal. So keep that in mind. If you are feeding more raw and your dog is drinking less water, it's not anything to be worried about. And then finally wrapping up, you know, pre-made raw, you really need to look for quality pre-made raw. So there are terrible brands of pre-made raw. For instance, I would never feed like the farmer's dog. Um, that to me is not pre-made raw. Um, that's the stuff you see in the big box pet stores. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, you know, there's a lot of them out there. Ollie's, I think if you look at it, what is it? It's rice, it's quinoa, it's carrots, it's beans. It's all things I would never even feed my dog. So when you're looking for pre-made raw, you need to look for meats, you know, like we've talked about in all of these podcasts, meats, um, bone, organ, low veggie content. Pre-made raw tends to have a high veggie content because it's cheaper. And at that point, you know, you're not doing much better than feeding kibble. If you're feeding a pre-made raw, that's high vegetables with a bunch of synthetic ingredients, you might as well just feed kibble. It'll be a lot more inexpensive. And then finally, a dehydrated raw is an option, which is a great topper. So if you're someone who has a little bit of money to spend and is looking to improve the quality of kibble without, you know, taking up freezer space or fridge space or prepping anything, buying a solid dehydrated raw like uh, Zeewee Peak and Open Farms are my go-to brands. I also love using these for treats. Um, Those are quality, quality foods and would significantly improve your dog's diet by just adding a little bit of those and reducing the amount of kibble. I think that's all I've got. I know I've tried to kind of whip through that so we didn't take all day. Do you have any questions? I, I think I've gotten in where I wanted to, you know, I, it, it is an interesting topic. It's it, um, it, more interesting to other people than me and oftentimes, <laughs> but at the end of the day, I, you know, they're, they're athletes, they're super athletes. The ones that were, especially our hunting dogs that were out mm-hmm. trialing and testing in the off season. And, you know, if we're serious about it, um, then they should be treated like professional athletes. That's, that's how they make their living for us. And, and, you know, those guys are all, you know, these days, I guarantee you go to any NBA NFL team in the country, they're going to have a nutritionist tape paying really close attention to what's going in those guys' bodies. And I guess we should be doing the same for uh, for our dogs. Um, you know, it's, uh, I, I, I'm, I know there was a big demand for it, and so I'm excited for people to, to get a hold of it. I'm glad that you're the person that will be answering any questions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, uh-huh. it's, it's very technical information, but I, I definitely appreciate it. And, again, it's something when, when I listen to you talk about it, um, it's obvious how much time and effort and energy over a long, long period of time have gone into forming your opinions and also just the data that kind of floats around your brain. So, (laughs) so thanks for that. Um, of course, you know, and hopefully if maybe we can, if, if necessary, we'll do a follow up again. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. and I think, yeah, I'm interested in the convenience factor for me. Like I would be very interested. Yeah. In like, 
or I, you know, I think it would be cool. I think a really cool podcast would be like wrapping it into a sustain, sustainable lifestyle type yes. thing or something like that. Yeah. You know. Something I should mention is that I have three huge freezers yes. that take up an incredible amount of space. I know. Cause I have to go check your temperature. Yes. Your yeah. That's always my big concern. We got to keep all that meat. Frozen. It's like gold in there. Yeah, I know. It was a lot of money of food and freezers. Yeah, sure. Um, and on average I spend, and this is me being quick because I've got experience about an hour a week making per dog making raw. Gotcha. So like today I'm going to go home and prep and it'll probably take me depending on how serious I am about it and you know, whether or not I take breaks. It'll probably take me four to six hours to do two to three weeks for Blitz and Ember. Yeah. And so that is a huge commitment and believe me, I don't want to do it. You know, that's why we're sitting here right now because I'm, <laughs> I'm being avoidant, but it's just got to be a part of your lifestyle at yeah. some point. Yeah, it's just two dogs. I mean, I, I don't put that much effort into feeding myself. I never put any forethought no, in. No, I really I don't either, do, though. <laughs> it does make me, it's interesting. I always listen to you when you talk about raw and I'm just like, I am terrible. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm going to open a crap bag wee of popcorn yeah. and split. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, if that's all we've got, you know, a couple of things to wrap up again, I, w- I will mention Mike again here at the end, you know, ugly dog hunting, go, go to those guys for any of your retail needs. You know, I think at the, in this day and age, there's, you have options. Um, uh, so for me, it comes down to, uh, who, who do I feel most comfortable giving my money to? And it's, and it's certainly Mike, I'm working with him to put together some gear lists and things like that for folks that are interested and maybe that follow the podcast and interested in training, um, you know, in the style we train in here, uh, helping folks along with that. So I'll be working closely with him there. We are recording this today is uh, Thursday, January 25th, and it will drop, um, next Tuesday, whatever day that happens to be. I can't do that kind of math in my head. The 30th. So that will be, the week of the St. Hubert's trial. And so uh, for those that are planning to attend, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing you guys. I think we're, you know, I don't know. We've had so much gross weather. I don't know what's ahead in the future for weather. And, uh, you know, in the trial, we've got, we're, we're pretty well organized. It's a very simple trial to run. What I One thing I know is that we are going to have a, uh, a shindig. So um, for those attending, plan on hanging out. The campsite's going to be popping and i'll look forward That'll to seeing you guys all there so anything else any parting words i think that's it all right guys thanks for listening uh see you next time hey listeners nick larson here host of the bird shop podcast as fans of this show you may be interested in the conversations on the bird shop podcast where we discuss all things upland hunting from upland birds and their habitat and conservation to the shotguns bird dogs and gear used to pursue them whether you're a seasoned upland hunter or just getting started and wanting to learn more i interview a wide range of guests each with their own unique perspective and valuable experience to share if you're on the hunt for more upland hunting conversation please consider subscribing to the bird shop podcast today Thank you.